Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. All right. Hey, um, if you have a Bible this morning, I'm going to get you to turn with me uh, to the Psalms and Psalm 46. Uh, today, if you want to pull that up. You can also pull up our notes this morning if you want to track along the crosspointchurch.ca slash notes. And uh, I'm, I'm, I will just say at the very beginning, I'm not going to talk for very long. I'm only going to talk for about 15, 20 minutes because I'm going to pull up two crosspointers who are going to, uh, I'm going to do an interview with them, two practitioners uh, this morning who are going to share with us. Um, so this is the second week in our Heart Habits series. And, and, and we've been exploring uh, spiritual practices that will help you guard your heart so that you can have resilient faith in challenging times, but also so that you can grow to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Last week, we looked at the spiritual discipline of waiting. This week, I want to talk about the spiritual discipline of solitude. Um, So those practitioners who come up a little bit later on are going to talk to us about how they're putting this into practice. So what is solitude? Let me give you a working definition this morning so that we're all on the same page. Here's the definition. Solitude is the practice of being absent from other people and distractions so that you can be aware of God. Now, as it turns out, solitude is the foundation for most of the other spiritual practices. Uh, It is the fertile soil in which the seeds of the other spiritual disciplines can grow. So it is in solitude that you can begin to pray, to meditate, to study, and to read God's Word. Solitude is like this essential component. The goal of solitude is God connection. And it assumes that this is accomplished by disconnecting from other people and other distractions so that you can focus your heart and your attention on God. Now, to be clear, solitude should not be confused with similar words like privacy or isolation or aloneness. Solitude is more than just finding space or getting away from it all. So, so here's the thing. I mean, I mean you, can go, you can take your laptop home and go out on the deck and work from there and get some privacy, but that's not solitude. You can isolate at the college for the weekend and get caught up on a whole bunch of projects you were wanting to get caught up on. Okay, that's not solitude. You can be alone in your bedroom working on your homework and watching Netflix, okay, in isolation, but that's not solitude. Solitude is the practice of being absent from other people and distractions so that you can become aware of God. Now, I realize, I mean, we just came out of COVID, okay? It's like, do I really need any more solitude? I mean, really, right? Um, But I I think we have to understand is is that you can be home alone during COVID and still not have solitude, Solitude flies in the face of our frenetic, overstimulated culture. We are, we are a people who are hopped up on information all the time. We're jacked up on information. So we, we feel like we always have to do things. We have to learn things. We have to accomplish things. We're always being overstimulated. Some of you, I mean, you're probably tweaking this morning, just imagining solitude. But for the follower of Jesus... Solitude is the essential spiritual discipline if you want to experience God's transforming power. So to explain this further, uh, I want to invite you to follow along as I read a psalm, Psalm chapter 46, or the 46th psalm. Uh, And we're going to read, it's quite lengthy, verses 1 through 11, and I encourage you to follow along. 
and then we'll pray. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear when the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at his swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come. Behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Yeah, I love this psalm because, because as you read it, it, it stirs you. I mean, it's got this imagery and this, these cascading movements that, that are supposed to awaken your imagination. I mean, the earth quakes, the waters foam, the nations rage. But, but right in the middle of this turmoil, you find the city of God standing firm. And the reason why it stands, it says, is because God waters it. And God protects the city. And God is with his people. So, so how, how do we, the people of God, respond when the world is crashing and burning around us? Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I mean, it kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive, right? I mean, shouldn't we do something Shouldn't we maybe start a campaign? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we make a fuss? Shouldn't we like run around in circles like chickens with our heads cut off because the sky is falling? Shouldn't we do something? But God invites us into a better way. You might even say the best way. Be still and know that I am God. I'd like to suggest this morning that that this verse presents for us a great framework for understanding solitude. That as we look at it, we actually find three postures that I think are, that are essential for experiencing the solitude that God wants for us. Be still and know that I am God. So I want to walk through each of these postures this morning very quickly. Number one, the psalmist first instru- instructs us to be still. So this means we're assuming a posture of just Stillness. Now, at its heart, stillness is about not doing something. It means we're willing to set aside all efforts to take control, to be in charge, to be active. It means stopping your your frantic monkey brain by silencing the voices and the distractions. You withdraw from conversation. You withdraw from the presence of others, from noise, from the constant barrage of stimulation. 
Let's, let's look at what Jesus had to say to his disciples about how they should pray. Matthew 6, verse 5 to 8. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus says, okay, when you pray, when we pray, and he's assuming that we will pray, that we will be a people of prayer. He says, we're going to go into our room, close the door. That's how we pray. Now, why did he tell them to do this? Well, I think, first of all, is to, to help us avoid the temptation of using prayer, our spiritual works, to kind of prop up our reputation for everyone else to see. But also, he told us this, to eliminate the, the distractions that exist outside of the door. So he's saying, stop the virtue signaling, shut the door, shut out the distractions, and just be still. Now, the challenge we face today, I mean, we, we live in a very different age, is, is that closing the door often isn't enough, Right? Because in that day, in Jesus' day, everything that was hectic and crazy was outside the door. You step outside the door, you're in the marketplace, you're in the community, you're with other people. But for us today, the world is still behind our closed doors. I mean, think about it. You, you probably have a screen in almost every room of your house. Hopefully not in your bathroom. But, you know, if you take your phone to the bathroom, if you could. Just please wipe your phone, okay? But... We have a phone that's basically glued to our hands. We, we are almost like s cyborgs in many ways in, the, in this day and age. So for us, the, closing the door looks a lot differently than it would have in that day. For us, it means closing our laptops. It means turning off our phones. It means ruthlessly eliminating hurry and distraction from our lives so that we can just be still. And of course, what's interesting is Jesus actually modeled stillness and solitude for us. Do you know that Jesus sought solitude at all of the key moments of his life? So he began his ministry by spending 40 days in solitude. He spent an entire night in solitude before he chose the 12 disciples. It says he withdrew into solitude when he heard about the death of his good friend and his cousin, John the Baptist. At a time of intense ministry, which included the, the feeding of the 5,000, he sent his disciples away and spent time in solitude. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? How ironic. <laughs> Bless him. All right. Hey, listen, if he was overloaded, Jesus often avoided the crowd and he, and he moved away to isolated places. And, of course, the night before he died, Jesus did what? He spent time alone in solitude in the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus practiced this discipline of solitude consistently to get away, to be with his Father, to get away and to be with his Father, which, which is fascinating when you think about it, right? Because sometimes I think, well, you know, solitude, that's, I'm an extrovert. That's really for the introverts of the world because they like being alone. They were made and designed to be alone, but I'm an extrovert. I have to be with people all the time. That's how I get energized. But I don't think anybody gets a buy here. Because here's the thing, is, is if Jesus, who is fully man and fully God, needed solitude, then why shouldn't I need solitude? 
I need solitude as well, as much as anybody else. And so do you. All right, here's the second posture. The second posture is to know, and it's a posture of learning. So the invitation to know that God gives us is, 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 is very real. And the reason why it's real is because each and every one of us has a gap in our knowledge. None of us knows everything. We're not all-knowing. We're not all-powerful. So we need to learn from God. So this posture means that you come to God with this posture of learning. Your heart, mind, soul, and strength are open to receive from God. And, and this means that when you come into solitude with God, you, you actually have a posture of active le- listening as opposed to casual listening. Well, what's the difference? Well, active listening is when you, when you kind of put your head against the door to overhear the conversation on the other side. That's active listening. Or when you're sitting in a coffee shop and you're paying attention to a conversation across the room and you're shutting out all other voices just to hear that conversation. Or when you're sitting in a, in a, in a seat during Sunday morning and you're leaning forward in your chair. That is active listening as opposed to casual listening. So that's the posture that's involved, to know. So when I think of active listening, I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a very famous story in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 3 about the prophet Samuel. So when, when the prophet Samuel was, was just a young boy, he served under Eli in the temple. And there's a long story there. We won't get into it. But one night, as he laid sleeping, he heard a voice call out his name in the dark. And so at first he thought it was Eli, so he got up, he ran to Eli, and he asked Eli, Eli, what do you want? What do you want? And Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to bed, right? And this happened several times until finally, Eli finally understood, oh, this is actually God who's speaking to the young man, Samuel. So we pick up the story in uh, verse 9 of 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall stay. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went, and he lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. So we, we discover a couple things in the story. First of all, we discover that Samuel actually had to learn to hear the voice of God. This wasn't something that was automatic. He actually had to learn to recognize and respond to the voice of God. But the th- not only that, we learn that when he actually heard the voice of God, he had to respond with obedience. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And I think these are the two parts of active listening. On the one hand is learning to hear the voice of God, but on the other hand is when God actually speaks to respond with obedience to what he actually calls us to do. So this is what it means to have a posture of learning. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find that I go out of my way to avoid what God is going to say to me because I'm just afraid of what he's going to ask of me. And what he's going to ask of me might not be exactly what I want. So I have different processes for doing this. One of the things I will often do is I will, I will turn down God's volume, right? Or I'll turn up the volume of other voices that I'm trying to listen to to kind of drown out God's voice. Or I'll just distract myself so much. I'm so busy with so many things that I can't actually hear the voice of God. Which is exactly why my soul needs solitude. Because it's in solitude that I'm able to lean into God and what he's saying. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, Another challenge I find with solitude is that sometimes when I'm in solitude and when I'm in prayer, my mouth is going like 100 miles a minute. 
Do you ever find that? Like, I, I, I got so much to say to God. I got so much to ask of him. I'm talking all the time, and I'm talking so much that God actually can't get in a word in edgewise. So don't pray in the marketplace, Jesus says. Don't babble like the pagans. Sometimes we don't hear from God because, well, we're too busy talking. We're stuck in a one-way conversation. Now, certainly, we need to talk to God. We need to make requests to God, all, uh, for sure. But we also need to just stop and listen. Be still and know. Well, here's the final posture. Solitude involves a posture of surrender. Not only are we to be still, not only are we to know, but we're also to know that I am God. So this is the posture where I I learn to surrender my false beliefs that I am God, that I'm the king of the universe. And I further surrender to the belief that God is in fact God. There is a God and you are not him. That's the posture. There is a God, and you are not him. You see, when you're in God's presence, when you come face to face with God, you realize that there, there are no posers, there are no fakers, there are no wannabes. When you stand face to face with God, you, your self-idolatry just gets stripped away. And you, you come to realize, well, I'm, I'm not as smart or as brilliant or as beautiful or as powerful as I pretend to be. I mean, this is a, Isaiah's uh, experience when he came face to face with God. You might remember the story, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah had this great big vision. And the vision, he came into the very presence of God. And it says that he saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up. I imagine that I'm thinking he had to kind of crane his neck because that would have been taller than the ceiling. And it says that the Lord's robe was so big that it, it actually filled the entire temple. And there were seraphim, angels, flying all around the Lord. And the Lord spoke, and the temple shook, and it was filled with smoke. And there was little Isaiah looking up at the Lord. And what was his response? Was it, hey, that's pretty good, God, but I can do better. Let's read his response in verse 5 of Isaiah 6. He says, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me, for I am lost. Other translations that you might have this morning say, for I am undone. Okay, it literally means in the Hebrew, I'm coming apart at the seams. Like a pair of skinny jeans pulled over Dwayne the Rock Johnson's enormous thighs, right? Exploding, right? Like a 40-year-old man trying to fit into his high school graduation suit. Right? I'm coming apart at the seams. I'm disintegrating. I'm here in the presence of God. I'm falling apart. There is a God, and you are not him. And, and sometimes I, I think when we think about solitude, we, we often think, well, you've you got to get into solitude with God, and, and it's always going to be like this warm, fuzzy spiritual moment, taking a hot bath, like pan flutes playing in the background, candles, right? Like walking through a meadow of wildflowers and, and butterflies. And the reality is, is that sometimes solitude, in solitude, it's, it's a challenging place to be. Because in a moment of solitude, you are exposed before God himself. And you can't fake it. You, you are who you are. You know, even Jesus, in one of his experiences of solitude, had to face his demons. 
He did battle with the intoxicating possibility of greatness and self-achievement that was offered to him by Satan. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 2. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Now, those demons weren't inside of Jesus. Those demons were outside of Jesus. But the reality is, oftentimes when you get into an experience of solitude, you are confronted with these dark spiritual realities in your life. Jesus was offered everything, power, authority, the whole world. It was all a sham, but he was offered it nonetheless by Satan. The reality is, is that when we seek solitude, we will face these same things. And, you know, light, the thing about light is light exposes our darkness. And so when we come into the light of God's presence, we are exposed and we have to face our dark motives, our hidden compulsions, our brokenness, and our distortions of reality. Which I will say to you this morning, while that sounds awful, it's like, Rob, why would I ever want to be in solitude if I have to do that? But the thing is, is it's liberating. Because that's what light does. Light exposes what's in the dark. Light, light brings it into the light. And it kills it. That you might be liberated. That you might be set free by the loving, um, all-consuming power of God. And so God invites us into this. And so it's, it's not something that you come in with fear and dread of God himself. You might have fear and dread of being exposed, but not of God himself. Because Hebrews says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. Why? Because Jesus himself, Jesus gave himself so that we could fully come into God's presence. Not on our own merits, but on the merits of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And therefore, we can come into God's presence with confidence that we might have our demons and our challenges and our brokenness and all of that restored and that we might be liberated. Now, how do we practice solitude? That's really the question for us this morning. And so I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to invite up here uh, two cross pointers that many of you will know pretty well. It's Steve and Beth Winkler. Um, so let's bring them up here. You guys, come on up. And we're going to have a conversation about solitude. Give them a hand. Come and encourage them. All right. Don't forget that mic over there too, Steve. Yeah, right there looks great. Yeah. Let's have a nice photo op picture thing here. All right. Yeah, maybe back that up just a little bit so they just, just Beth, not you, Steve. Steve, you're great. Yeah, you're really great. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Good. Okay. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you behave, Steve. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can take your mask off. There we go. Good. Hey, so um, you, look, you both look kind of old. Um, so why don't you uh, tell us a little... <laughs> I, I feel the love. <laughs> Tell us about the season of life you find yourself in. I mean, you've just recently had some changes in your life, Steve and, and Beth, and, and so give us a bit of a picture of what life is like for you guys. Yeah. Okay, I am uh, <clears throat> I'm repurposed-ing right now. Okay. I've finished my term of working in life, like formal jobs. You're retired. So, okay. so I'm repurposing myself. And uh, I have been repurposing for the last year, probably a year and a half now. And uh, I absolutely love it. 
So Beth is uh, <laughs> pretty close to repurposing her life too. Yeah. Probably within the next couple of months. <clears throat> She'll be finished working. She's been a nurse for 37 years, something like that. Yeah, taking care of everybody, you know, and me. And uh, so she's gonna be done. Yeah. Exciting. Repurposing. Yes, repurposing. And and you guys have been with with us at Crosspoint since the beginning. I mean, that's right. Yeah, you're that's you're right. elderberries. You've been around for a while. Yeah, about a dozen years here. Um, now, the reason why I got you up here this morning is, is is I'm most interested in talking to you about something you've done that that people may think, well, that's different. Uh, but you have just you know, undertaken a construction project in your backyard. Um, now, they live over in nor northwest Edmonton. Uh, they ha they're right on a kind of a corner lot. They've got this huge, big backyard. Um, often have the young adults over for fire pits. Um, Beth has fed many, 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 many young adults over the years. Uh, she's an amazing cook. Um, but now you've just built something in your backyard. And uh, we're going to bring up some pictures up on the screen here. And why don't you just tell me a little bit about it? First of all, what is it? And then we'll bring the pictures up. So what did you build? Start how it started? Yeah. Okay. This is how it started. One day at work, one of my coworkers called me over and said, hey, Beth, look what I just finished building. And he showed me on his phone the cutest little cabin in his backyard. And he said, this is where my wife and I get away for just some quietness and some peace. And I thought, that is the coolest thing. And it, that, the, that picture of that cabin stuck in my head for the next week or so, and a dream began to form. And I thought, that would be an amazing Thing, a little cabin to have as a prayer house where we can get away and pray for uh, the needs in the church, family, friends, and whatever. So I showed Steve, um, and he looked at it, and he said, let's do it. And so um, we have a very good friend named John, and John and Steve got together, and within about a month, this beautiful little cabin was built. And I just have to add this. What was most amazing is that John um, is legally blind, and so Steve had to pick him up every day um, and drop him back home because he can't drive. Can't see out of the one eye, and the other eye is like about 10%. And so whenever he was building, he had to have his vision just a certain way in order for him to see. And if he dropped anything, he was like trying to find it, and Steve was the go-to guy. He always had to find the hammer and the, and the measuring tape and everything else. <laughs> and his attitude was just amazing. Um, he, even though he had such limitations, he was, his heart was full of love for God and just being able to do this with his whole heart. But I have to say, when they got out the big saws, I couldn't watch. I was so nervous <laughs> <laughs> that someone was going to lose a finger. <laughs> yeah. And, and John is a, a skilled craftsman. Like oh, he's he, amazing. He, I mean, and it's even so amazing that his vision is so limited. Uh, yeah. Let's put up some pictures here. Okay. So, so that's like the side sign and that's the front of your cabin there, right? Yeah. Um, and it looks a little small, but it's spacious. Let's go to the next slide. Um, that's, it's actually got, what is that? Is that a fire? It's a wood-burning stove. Wood-burning stove. Wood stove, yeah. Uh, a little spot there. Uh, this is another corner of it. Um, flip it around again. A bed. There's a bed in there with a nightlight uh, kind of thing. Now, this thing, like, when it's 30 below, can you go inside of this thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's toasty. The fireplace is really nice, yeah, wood yeah. stove. Okay, is there one more slide, or is that it? That's it. Okay, great. Okay, good. Uh, let's go back to that first slide, the front, the front slide. So, okay, you, you build a cabin in your backyard for prayer. Okay, that's odd. Um, so why don't you explain that to us? How, how, does this, how does this thing work in your own lives? 
Can I just add one thing to yes, this? Yes, you can. So God is so good. Before the heavy lockdowns and everything were happening, we really didn't know that all this was going to come. And um, so we had this cabin, and suddenly this is what our house looked like. Two nursing students, heavy lockdown, learning from home. Nobody could come and go and everything like that. Well, they took over our house. The, li the living room table, stacks of books and charts and everything, and then the learning centers everywhere around the house. It's like we had no space anymore. <laughs> so Steve and I would g get out to this, go out to this cabin to pray. And of course, as you know, during um, the COVID years, there was so much heartbreak, so much anxiety, so much worry, and it affected so many people's lives. And this was a time where we could go and, uh, and pray together. And somehow those burdens after we left seemed a little bit lighter, right? Yeah. So how are you in it every morning, every day? Um, um, well, during COVID, time. during COVID, we were there probably mostly every day. Yeah. And uh, now, um, it's probably at least maybe once or twice a week we'll go there now. But when the, when the wood-burning stove is on, it just draws you. I mean, it, it, it just the way it is. There's no distractions. Um, you can, you know, we check our phones somewhere because I've tried to make it without Wi-Fi, you know, to no Wi-Fi out There's there. There's no Wi-Fi in there? No, oh, okay. no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, it's really tough to get Wi-Fi out there. That's awesome. But... Uh, so, <clears throat> so how, how have other people used it? Because you aren't the only ones who've used it. No. Okay. No. Um, several have used it from our own church family, have been out there. <laughs> and uh, who else? Other friends uh, that come in from yeah. different places, we'd come in and we'd pray together. Um, and what is so nice is there's no distractions. It feels like you're far away in the forest and, and nothing is grabbing your attention. So it is quiet, and it's a time alone with God. It's and, yeah. and it's, you and know, Rob talked about Matthew chapter 6, when you go into your room, shut the door. Well, it really is, when you shut the door, it's really quiet in there. And um, it just screams solitude. You, you, you can't help it, because it's just right there. So it really helps and provides that atmosphere of, uh, you know, giving you that platform for solitude, which mm -hmm. we need. Yeah, we, we need. So have, um, you know, if people here want to use it, um, can, can they, you know, uh, how, how much? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wish I had my cell phone number. You could po post it up there, but. Uh, um, That's dangerous. Uh, yeah, right. Online. Right. Um, people. Steve is a great uh, fire starter. And, and if anybody wants to use it. In a it, good way. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, our policy in life has always been all that we have it belongs to God. And so if this can be a, a way that some people can get away and just have time with God, we are so happy for that. And I just have to say, during those months when it was really, really stressful at work, it was just such a blessing. Steve would text me, do you want a fire? And I'd say, yes, please. And I'd come home, and, and I'm to the cabin, fire is going, and I'd say, thank you, God. You are so good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What a good man. Um, can you cook bacon on this fire? You pit? can okay. cook bacon yeah. on the on the wood burning stove. Yes. Uh, and and uh, <coughs> I even have yeah ins yeah whatever. Um, so even just another bit of information. So when it's not freezing cold like minus thirty, because I don't have heat in there other than it's insulated, 
and the wood-burning stove, when that gets kicked in, it's really warm. People can attest to that. Mm. But I also have in there, when it's a little warmer months, a nice little coffee pot, yeah. <laughs> a Keurig. So the coffee's brewing. So you're all welcome. The fire is crackling. The lights are down low, and solitude is yours. Yeah. Okay, so, so people will say, I'm, you're probably thinking this, yeah, but you're in a season of life where you have, I mean, you're retired-ish, you know, you've got all this free time, you're not busy doing anything, of course you've got room for solitude. How would you respond to that? Go ahead, dear. Well, um, we thought we'd be empty nesters quite a few years back, but I'll just have to say it never, ever happened. We've had a lot of students come and go, um, Chinese student, Spanish girl, uh, an Egyptian girl, and now our lovely niece from BC. Mm -hmm. And so we love having students in our home. Um, but back to the busyness of, of life. Those with small children, I, I so understand. Um, our first two children uh, were very, very active. I thought, when can I even take a shower? And God understands, and this too will pass. That's what kept me going through those busy years. <laughs> because you will have time down the road for a little more time. But God understands, and I just have to say, uh, take those moments that you can. You know, uh, walk around the block, get up early for 15 minutes of, of reading, and just, and just pray, God, give me wisdom to use my time wisely. Because I believe that we always have time for what we really value and what we feel is important. And so pray that God will give you that desire, and, and that will be a very special time with God. And, and if, if this cabin can be uh, something provided for you to be in solitude, amen. We want to be all over that, yeah. you know. So I, I realize it's, it's, it's got to be deliberate. You've got to be intentional and make the effort. But we want to be able here, at least at our fellowship here, to provide yet another opportunity in, in this quest for solitude before the Lord. If this can be used for that, then we're all in. Mm, that's great. It's not your cabin. No. It's no. God's cabin. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, Crosspoint, we, we understand we're all in different seasons of life, different stages of life, right? So, I mean, you've got to work with the, the raw materials of life that God has given you in this season and, uh, and carve out that time uh, as, as you need it. So, you know, is there any advice you'd give, like how somebody can build a cabin in their own house, metaphorically speaking? <laughs> well, I mean, you could, I mean, I thought about that. I thought, you know, you could, I guess, have a quiet space in your home, which maybe is the bathroom, or, you know, for me it was for a while there. Um, or maybe in the nicer months, of the car in the garage, that was another solitude place. But, we, you know, we have to be deliberate with that. That it has to be something we make we make as important, and yeah, this is important for my spiritual journey, and so you'll find your solitude space. You'll do that, you know, if you're hungry for, you know, and, and I'm sure you are. But if this can be used as another avenue, then please get a hold of me, and I'll have the fire ready for you. It's also great for a date night. You know, order, order, uh, skip the dishes or something. And, and sometimes couples, there's so many things uh, and involved with your time as couples. You don't get time just away. 
away from distractions and just be being together and, and talk. And there's times where, where our house was so busy, Steve and I would just take our supper out there and have a, a, a time together, right? And, and by the way, there is a private entrance. So you don't have to come to our house and knock on the door and go through our house to get there. It's a private entrance. So you can, you can show up and sneak through the back, as some of us may know, and go right to the red brick road that goes right to the cabin. And we're going to post the address online for anybody who wants to sneak, <laughs> sneak into their backyard and uh, just help yourself to a prayer yeah, cabin. If that's you're going to call me to come over, give me an hour or two so I can get the fire going, okay? Yeah, yeah that's great. I mean, on, people can, if you're on Realm, you can find you on Realm. That's easy yeah. to do. Yeah, you bet. Just send yeah. your personal. We'd okay. love if this could be a help for you. We'd love that. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, the, the forming of a, of a saint, the, the, you know, the forming of a, of a, of a, of a beautiful life, with Jesus is, is not something that happens in an instant. It, it, it is an ongoing repetition of the seeking of God and His presence. And so it's, it's a, it, it comes as a result of these rhythms of continually getting away and being with God, getting away and being with God. Now, we're also formed in the turmoil of life, but we also have to have this time of, of solitude. And so that's the message we want to do is, is this is a beautiful thing. It is a gift to you, solitude. And so take this gift and, and, and embrace it. Would you guys be willing to just pray for our Crosspoint family? Could you do that, Steve, this morning? And then we'll just close it. So yes, thank you, uh, dear Father. Thank you. Um, you're calling us into a time of, uh, with you. You're asking us. You're, you're, you're there. You're ready. Your arms are open. You're, you're prepared to hear from us, uh, from any one of us, Lord. You're prepared to listen to our pleas, our cries, <clears throat> our petitions. And so, Lord, I, pr I pray that we will uh, take this uh, as serious, take this as important, and that, Lord, we would be people who would follow hard after you, Lord, hard after you. In, uh, in learning from you and being quiet before you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our community. Thank you for where you've placed us here in Beverly. We want to be used of you. We want to be a light uh, for your, uh, to point people towards you, Lord Jesus. That's what we want. So pray that, Lord, for each one here. Give them that desire. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.